down here in Fairfax, Virginia. And last night and tonight, we're getting to sit down with Zach Williams, the one and the only. People know his music, but I don't know if everyone knows his story and what a story it was, what a story it is, and what a story it's still going to be. As I am able to bring the hope Zach Williams shares in his music, like Chain Breaker and Fear is a Liar and No Longer Slaves and Survivor, and so many songs impacting so many lives and now his story. I am so honored to take his story and share hope with other people. On the road to recovery from Fairfax, Virginia with Zach Williams. Christian artist Zach Williams' CD, Chainbreaker, won a Grammy in 2018 for Best Contemporary Christian Music Album. But there was a time in Zach's life when he had chains of his own. I grew up in a small town, uh, northeast Arkansas. The earliest memories I have were in church, like my dad played music, so I can remember being at church on Tuesdays and Wednesday nights during music practice and things like that, you know, playing with other kids at the church whose dads or moms were on the worship team. Um, my dad took me to a Petra concert when I was like seven years old, Petra and Garmon Key. And I remember that was like my first real concert that I'd ever been to. I just thought it was the coolest thing. And then I grew up on, you know, his old vinyl records. He had Keith Green and Russ Taff and... Um, Rich Mullins and Milo Lefebvre and bands like that. But I didn't have any desire to play music. You know, growing up as a kid, I, I was into sports and I thought that, you know, maybe one day if I got a basketball scholarship, I could go on and kind of get out of this small town and do something different with my life. I can remember, I guess, you know, ninth or 10th grade being the first time I'd ever really drank alcohol, going over to a friend's house and there being a party. Or, and then by the time I was in 10th grade, though, there were some older kids, you know, that um, introduced me to marijuana for the first time. And I can remember trying that. And then by the time I was a senior in high school, you know, it was kind of a kind of a every afternoon kind of thing. You know, you'd get out of school and you'd go over to somebody's house. And my senior year of high school, I had Division One basketball scholarship offers. And I met this guy, and he, he knew who I was, and uh, he, you know, he said, you're that kid that you know, got in trouble for drugs, aren't you? And I was like, yeah. And he said, you know, if you think you can leave that stuff alone, I, I'll get you a tryout for, for a junior college. And so I tried out, made the team, got a full scholarship. Uh, I was getting ready for our season opener, our first game of my freshman year, and I ended up tearing five ligaments in my ankle, redshirted my freshman season, sat home, and uh, sat there and taught myself how to play guitar. And I went home a, a year later and grabbed my dad's old Gibson guitar and brought it back to school with me. And for pretty much the next 10 years, from the time I was like 19 until I was 29 or 30, I don't think I went a day without taking that guitar with me. Uh, and in that 10-year in that time period, uh, I kind of found myself sinking further and further into, you know, the drug use and the alcohol use. And um, I remember meeting some guys that were in this rock band in my hometown that we found ourselves with a booking agent in Europe putting us on a tour and at this time I you know had met my wife recently we're constantly fighting about changes that I need to make and changes that she needs to make and we, we were getting ready to go back on a new, another tour to Europe and you know I'd been using drugs you know 17 18 years old until here I am 33 years old and you know, me and my wife were about to call it quits. You know, we were about to, to get a divorce. And she kind of came to me and was like, you know, there's got to be some changes or I'm not going to stick around. And I can remember having this kind of like conversation where I was like, God, I know, I know you're real. 
and I was like, I just need you to prove it to me. And so I was reading an autobiography by, by Greg Allman. It was called Cross the Bear. It was like the story of the Allman brothers and just his struggle with being a front man of a southern rock band. And, and then John Mayer had an album called Born and Raised that had just came out like literally that week. And it was what I thought was so cool how that title, Born and Raised, was just kind of like working with Cross the Bear and all these things. And I'm reading this book, listening to this thing, and I'm like, man, seemed to be kind of quiet on our on the bus that we were on. And I pulled my ears out for a minute to just kind of listen. And the guy driving the, the bus is scanning radio stations, and he stops on the station, and it was Big Daddy Weaves redeemed, come across the radio. Then you look at this prisoner and say to me, son, stop remember that song and it just hit me in a way that nothing else had ever really spoke to me in that way and uh, I remember calling my wife from this hotel and I said man I'm done I'm, I'm done with this band I'm done with the music and she kind of thought I was crazy but I just remember coming home from that tour and and literally canceling my shows and quitting the band I never looked back and I really didn't have an explanation to anybody other than and I gotta make some changes for myself and for my family. We got involved in a church in our hometown and these, these folks took us in and we found ourselves at church every time the door was open. We were involved in anything we could get involved in. And we just surrounded ourselves with people that were accountability. And I just kind of put music down for a while. I wasn't playing music at all. I was really just trying to concentrate on you know, my relationship with my wife and kids and with where God wanted me to be at and, and what I was supposed to do with my life. And, and my wife came home. She said she was going to leave to go with some women to a, a prison ministry trip. And I was going to stay home and watch the kids for her. And she left and came home that night. And I'll never forget, she was just, I mean, she was through the roof, like excited about what she'd been a part of. And she was telling me that, you know, she thought it was something that I'd really enjoy. And I remember saying something like, I don't, you know, I don't really think that's something I want to be a part of. That's not really my thing. And um, about a month later, she signed me up to go anyway. And so I took off with her and some other women and, and guys from the church. And we shared, we shared our story together and our testimony. And I took a guitar and some new songs that I'd been writing. And I played a few of these new songs and we saw just this move. At, at this prison we saw about 25 or 30 women give their lives to the Lord and I was blown away I feel like it was in that moment where God just kind of said this is your aha moment you know and this is this is what I want you to do with your music with what I want you to do with your life like these are the people this is a ministry I want you to have and it was pretty clear path at that point what I was supposed to do with my music and um, it wasn't long after that till the church that we were a part of offered me a job and, and asked me to help them launch a campus. And when we launched the campus, we called it Refuge, and we started reaching out to a lot of folks that had been through the same type of things that me and my wife had been through. And our core, you know, congregation at the beginning were, were Celebrate Recovery and Jumpstart. And, you know, about two years later, I was leading worship at the church, and a guy from Nashville was there with his family. They were visiting some family around the holidays, and 
he heard me sing singing a Christmas song and took me out to coffee a couple of days later and wanted to hear my story. He said, man, you don't, people don't sing like that without a story. And about six months later, we hooked up in Nashville. I started driving over and working on songs. And I think the third, fourth trip that I drove to Nashville and wrote, we wrote Chainbreaker together. And then they played it for a, a meeting one day, like for the whole staff of the record label. They played the, the demo and they offered me a, a, a record deal off of that demo and uh, I was blown away. And, you know, that's it's been, I guess, right at two years now. And it's been a whirlwind for the last last few years, so. He's a chain breaker. I, uh, this is my first, first single this year, first record. Just signed to the label about a month ago, or about a year ago, and oh, I was about to say, yeah, no, 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 to have a song, you know, my first single go, wow, number one, and be nominated for a Grammy has been pretty cool. Hey, Nicole C. Mullen here again with the incredible Zach Williams. Thank you. Yep, and so he was nominated. You were nominated today yeah. for five Dove Awards. Yes, ma'am. And you won two, two of them. Zach, thank you so much for sharing your story, man. Thank you so much for inspiring me uh, and sharing your story so I can inspire the people with your hope. Chain Breaker is right, man. Fear is a liar. And I'm so glad that I got the chance to sit down and capture your story and share it with other people. I'm Michael DeLeon from George Mason University in Fairfax, Virginia, and we will see you on the next episode of On the Road to Recovery.